This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I talk with retired Air Force Colonel Mickey Addison about a leadership model known as Sink to Swim. I also get a little bit into some of Mickey's books, Leading Leaders and the Five Bs, and Mickey knows Christian Knutson, my co-host, very well, and I met Mickey at the SAME conference, and he's really a great guy. What I really loved about this interview is leadership is such a complex topic, right? There's a million books on it, videos, trainings. People spend their whole career trying to be great leaders. Mickey gives this really great look at leadership, a big picture look at it with kind of three pillars or topics. And that was a huge takeaway for me from this interview. So I'm excited to share it with you. Before we get into the main segment of our show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. PPI. They are helping tomorrow's leaders achieve licensure exam success. And just be sure to make sure you listen up at the end of this episode to hear my advice on a super practical way you can advance in your career. Thanks to PPI, I also have an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast. So stay tuned for that. I also want to take a moment to tell you about our new Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop which you can find at engineertomanager.com. For almost 10 years now, we've been trying to figure out how to help engineers become more effective engineering managers, and I believe we finally figured out how. And it comes down to three words, intensity, focus, and accountability. And if you enroll in our Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, you will experience all three. I'm going to tell you more about the program at the end of the show as we are enrolling engineers for our next session, which will start in January, right now at engineertomanager.com. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode, just so you get to know a little bit more about him before we dive into our conversation. Colonel Mickey Addison, he's a U.S. Air Force retired colonel, is a leadership consultant and keynote speaker blogger and author and is a frequent contributor to military and industry newspapers and journals, including Air Force Print News, Armed Forces Journal, People Development Magazine, and The Military Engineer. Mickey is a contributing author at generalleadership.com and the founder and president of Lead the Way Media Publishing and Lead High Performance Keynote Speaking. Mickey's really passionate about inspiring people to be their best and leading organizations to high levels of performance. As an Air Force officer, Mickey has handled national portfolios totaling billions of dollars. He's presented on dozens of topics to senior leaders in government, industry, state, and federal government, and worked with international business and government executives and in a dozen countries in Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. He's got an extensive bio that will include on our website, and you'll also hear about his website and some of his resources throughout this show. So what I'd like to do now is give you a quote to bring us into the interview with Mickey. I'm going to give you a quote from John F. Kennedy. Leadership and learning are indispensable to each other.
All right, now it's time to jump into the main segment of our episode, and I want to welcome to the engineering career coach, Mickey Addison. Mickey, welcome. Hey, thanks, Anthony. I'm really glad to be here. So Mickey has a very impressive background and resume. Most of what you just heard in his introduction, we got the chance to meet at one of the Society of American Military Engineers conferences, and I know Mickey goes way back with Christian, my co-host for sure. But Mickey, in your own words, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a background on yourself and kind of what you're doing today? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a a 30-year Air Force veteran. I was uh, retired as a colonel just recently and had a chance to do just a variety of projects and jobs in the Air Force. It was just a great life. I did everything from teach officer training school to run projects as an engineer officer to my last job I retired. I was the uh, senior installation officer for the Pacific. My uh, area of responsibility was, as our former commander out there used to say, Hollywood to Bollywood, penguins to polar bears, <laughs> about 50% of the globe. So what a great opportunity. And then, you know, in my spare time and what I've been doing lately, so now I'm a consultant for a large consulting firm. And in my spare time, you know, kind of on the side, I'm also an author and a speaker. I'm really passionate about leadership and helping people understand and be the best person, best people they can be, really passing along the lessons that I've learned over the last 30 plus years in the service about leadership and personal development. Before we jump in here, first of all, just thank you for your service. I know uh, in speaking with Christian that there's lots of sacrifices that are made over the time, but I also know that speaking to Christian as well is that there's a lot of stuff that you guys learn, and it's great that you come back and share things through books and through these podcast interviews. So definitely looking forward to jumping in here with you. And one of the main topics that I'm going to cover here today is this sync to swim leadership model. So Mickey, just start us off by talking about the sink to swim model. Well, so one of the things that I really come to understand through leading projects over many years is that engineers like to focus on the nuts and bolts of project management, but there's a real difference between being a, a project leader and a project manager and that we manage things and processes, but we lead people. And successful project managers kind of understand that. And so I've developed a three-ring Venn diagram of the big things that need to be synchronized and not balanced, really synchronized, and to be successful in project management. And that's serving the institutions that we all work for, of course, getting the project done and delivering the end result, the deliverables, getting the mission done. And then also, you know, serving the people that we lead. I think, you know, leaders need to understand that that we're in the people business and that we have to be servants before we're anything else. Yeah. And we're going to share this worksheet with you when you're listening to this. If you go to the show notes for the show, which is going to be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash sync to swim, S-Y-N-C to swim, all lowercase altogether, you'll be able to download the worksheet and take a look at the diagram, look at some other things. And at the end of the show too, in our Take Action Today segment, Mickey will give you a little rundown on that. But I just want to let you know that that will be available for you. But Mickey, you touched on some definitely some interesting points here. I think you're right in speaking with hundreds, if not thousands of engineers that we are very focused on the details side of it. What I've learned from interviewing a lot of really successful project managers is that the people are so important. And it sounds like using this model attention is given to that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think it's important, whenever I give this talk, I always start off with the kind of a base level understanding of what is management and what is leadership. And so, you know, management, the modern management theory that we all learned in school and we think of and we think of management, and we even use that as a duty title, right, for a job title for people as manager. But management really came out of the 19th and 20th century, the Industrial Revolution. And the idea was I have these mass production methods and if I can manage this process, if I can make it more efficient, then I can maximize the quality and the profitability of my company. Leadership is really different. So whereas management's focused purpose solely on efficiency and efficient allocation of resources, and people then become one of those resources to be expended, leadership you know, goes back thousands of years. It goes back to the dawn of humanity. It's not just a couple hundred years old. And its purpose is effectiveness, and it focuses on human motivation. And so, you know, when you think about how various things that we maybe we learned in college, like the Blake-Mouton grid, you know, which sort of sets up this X and Y axis where concern for people is on one axis and concern for the product or the production is on the other axis. And it sort of seems to set those two things in opposition to each other or various motivational methods like McGregor's theory X and theory Y. You're either a deadbeat or you're self-motivated or you know, things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or other management factors, they really just touch on pieces of it. And, and when I, you know, what I found out in my own life is that all those things, are, and they're fine, I mean, for what they do, that I'm not knocking them, but they're really an incomplete picture. So we all work for some organization. We work for some institution, right? It's a private sector company, a public sector organization. And that, that institution, that organization has needs. It's got policies, it's got boards of directors, it's got profit motive. And you have to serve those needs. We've, I've seen leaders fail because they were so fiercely loyal to the project or to the people, they ignored the higher ups and those folks don't last long. And, and if you deliver a project and it's a grade A, you know, just tremendously successful project, but it, it's 100% cost overrun or it's late, well, then you haven't served your institution or your customers. And then there's the project itself, which I'll come back to in just a second. And then there's the people that you lead. What you don't want to do is, and we've all been on these kinds of projects, you get to the end finish line and nobody wants to work together anymore. They're all emotionally spent and nobody wants to work anymore. And you got to be able to, to husband those resources and get those and shepherd those people so that at the end of the project, they're ready to go work on the next project. Because, you know, one, unless you're doing the evacuation of Earth, there will be another project. And then lastly is, of course, project, the project management and the project itself has needs. And, and I have a PMP, and there's a whole body of knowledge about how to manage a project. And that's important, too. But you just can't live there. And that's where engineers especially like to live because you can put in numbers in a spreadsheet, and I can throw up metrics on a slide, and I can put data in Microsoft Project, and I can manage this thing very efficiently to the exclusion of other things. And I think the PMI is kind of recognizing that because they're adding – I understand the sixth edition of the PMBOK, they'll be adding a, a new knowledge area for, for leadership, recognizing that leadership of the people is really important. I think what I like about this, and again, I'm looking at the diagram myself, and you'll have access to it as well, as I said, when you listen to the episode, we'll make those resources available. But what it makes clear is that leadership isn't something that is one-dimensional, is that it has these three different avenues to it. And they're all integral in leadership, so which is important for us as engineers because, as Mickey said, we can get really tied up in the project details and specifications. We can get really tied up in the, the needs of our company or organization or whatever the institution is you serve. And I think seeing the three of these circles coming together with like that sweet spot in the middle 
is what good leaders recognize and they understand that they need to account for all of them. Right. And it's not just a tug of war. I think sometimes we set up project leadership as sort of a tug of war between people and mission. And I really think you have to harmonize those things. I have been out, you know, in my Air Force career, been out in some pretty uh, undesirable locations, pushing snow or fixing. We had a, I remember Christmas Eve, as a brand new lieutenant, I'd probably been in the Air Force three years. I was still a first lieutenant and we had this deep freeze and I happened to be the snow removal officer. And so I was responsible for running the night shift anyway on keeping the base going overnight. And it was mostly snow removal. And I had, we had a lot of great NCOs and, and they were doing a great job. And But our HVAC and our plumbing teams were out because it was so cold, you know, things like freshness systems were breaking and boilers that were, you know, on low temperatures or pipes going to boilers that are on low temperatures and unoccupied buildings were breaking. And so about half the squadron was out there working pretty hard, some pretty long hours on Christmas Eve instead of being home with their families. And I remember, you know, at one point getting on the radio and just putting, you know, blasting out on the radio, just kind of an all call as I was driving around. Hey, I want you guys to know you're doing a really great job and I'm really proud of you and, and people are counting on you. And I know you're away from your families, but thank you for what you're doing. And I didn't get any answers back. I got one acknowledgement and I didn't expect him to. And I'm just a young lieutenant. But uh, that was probably a Thursday or a Friday. But on the Monday following, one of the old hands, you know, one of the old civilians pulled me aside. He goes, LT, what you did? He says, I looked around and watched people perk up when they heard that over the radio. So you just don't know. You really can't appreciate just how much the people count on leaders to motivate them, even people who are technically extraordinarily competent, just getting that pat in the back. And it's more than a pat in the back, obviously. It's helping them understand that what they're doing, what people are doing is important, and it, uh, it serves something greater than themselves. And I think that's really important. And like you said, you can't forget who you work for. I mean, I've seen people get in trouble because they thought they were taking care of their people, and maybe they were, but they weren't getting any mission done. Our companies are all in business to make money, you know, unless you're in the federal government, and everybody's got a mission. You know, obviously the public sector doesn't have a profit motive, but they still have a, a motive to deliver goods and services that are high quality and at low cost. And uh, you can't forget who you're working for. You can't just go after producing a gold-plated product to the exclusion of all things else. So I think the bigger you make that sweet spot, the better off you'll be because not only are you going to grow people, you're going to help people in the institutions and get the project done on the project you're working on, but you're going to grow people and serve an institution that's going to last longer and be able to go on to do more good things instead of having your project team uh, head for the doors at 4.30 and, and can't wait to go and do something else. All right. So Mickey, why don't we, from a big picture perspective, walk through each of these circles. And then I know later on in the show, we're going to talk a little bit more specifics with the worksheet, but starting with the institution, and you said this a few times that it could be a private, public, your company essentially, and this is really understanding their needs, correct? That's right. Every institution has needs. And there are company policies. There's public law that we all follow, you know, that might apply to our various organizations or business sectors. There is community. You know, there's a lot of emphasis nowadays on companies being good citizens, good corporate citizens. I mean, so that's a need. Your reputation as a company, especially if you're doing business with the public sector. So if you're in the private sector, the grades that you get on your projects from the project the requiring agencies and the contracting officers, they matter. And so, again, serving that institution, the same thing, you know, every company's got core values of some, you know, they may not call them that, but they've got values. And those values are set out by the corporate leaders for a reason. That's the kind of company they want to be and who they want their employees to embody. And so, you know, you have to absolutely serve that. 
reputation, policy, procedure, resources. Small companies got different resources than big companies. Professional services firms are different than engineering firms. So understanding the environment that you're working in and the company that you're working for, public or private, I think matters. That's a big part of leadership, and I agree with that. Not everyone understands their companies maybe as well as they should or the organizations that you work for, which definitely can impact some of your decisions and some of your abilities as a leader. So, Mickey, let's go look at the project side of now. You also talked about that a little bit, but when you're speaking about the project circle, we're literally talking about the project management. That's where you get into your budget, your scheduling, your personnel, those types of things, correct? Yeah, exactly. There is a huge body of knowledge. PMI, obviously, is probably the most well-known and, and the most universal. But there's this huge body of knowledge in the project management. And, you know, and that's the reason that we exist as project managers, right? You can have a great company and you could have very happy people. <laughs> but if you don't deliver anything to a client or to a customer or a supported commander, if you're not delivering a product or a service, well, then you're not going to be in business for very long go over to my resources page, you'll see the slide share. And the opening slide is a young woman in World War II, and she's inspecting fuses on, I think they're practice bombs or mortar shells. That's how we did things in the 20th century, especially during World War II. You know, we would mass produce and push as much stuff out the back end of the plant or whatever we were doing as humanly possible. I mean, the Pentagon was, people were moving into the Pentagon while it was still under construction. And we inspected in quality, right? So I would make a thousand widgets and then I would go through all thousand of them and I would pull out the rejects, hopefully, that not very many rejects got through. Well, we don't manage projects like that anymore. Nobody has the resources and we have advanced computer technology and some better methods now besides just inspecting quality. And we try to build quality into the process. Being a good project manager, you know, is understanding your craft. So not just your discipline, your engineering discipline, but understanding whether you have a PMP or not, but understanding the craft of project and science or project management. All right. And then we get to the last, well, not the last circle, certainly not the least important circle, but that's the people involved in your institution and your projects. And as a leader, you need to really understand these people, understand their skills, talk about that a little bit and how that integrates with those other two circles. You absolutely have to know your, who your people are. I think project leaders that fail are ones, if they're going to fail, they're going to fail in this area. Your institution will hold you accountable one way or the other. And so if it's only out of fear of losing your job, people will, in general, serve the institution that they're working for. And the same thing with the project, you know, especially there's a, there's a science to that. I can put things in a computer and I can get an answer out and I can do math. The people part of it's harder. And, you know, not everybody is good at this, but you have to actually know who your people are. And I think putting people, the right person in the right job is incredibly important. So, you know, Sue may be really good at crunching numbers and Bob may be really good at working with the client or vice versa. If you reverse that, you know, if Bob is the people person and he's really good at working with clients and I put him in a back corner in a cubicle and have him crunch numbers on spreadsheets, he's going to be, not only is he going to be miserable, I'm not developing that skills that he does have for the next project either. And he's not going to feel fulfilled. And, and the same thing with Sue. If she really is kind of just would rather not deal with the client, really just enjoys the nuts and bolts of managing the numbers of the project, uh, putting her out front as a client lead is probably the wrong choice. And so understanding people. And then when, the other thing happens is when people's performance falls off. And I've seen it happen on both good and bad. Somebody's performance falls off. And the, the first line leader comes in griping and complaining, going, oh, my God, Bob's performance has fallen off and, you know, I'm going to discipline him and blah, blah, blah. And the, but the good leaders go to Bob and go, hey, Bob, your performance has fallen off. Is something going on? 
if you got a great employee and he or she's just going through some personal issues or whatever, not only can you save an employee, sometimes you can save a, a life. When you've got a company that or an organization that focuses on the people as just as important as the product, what you end up getting is high-performing teams because people feel fulfilled. I always say people need a purpose, not just a paycheck. And they do, they develop themselves. They look for innovative ways to get the work done. And they're going to work harder and faster when they're happy. And that's more than just a good compensation package. They have to feel value. Like I said, they need a purpose, not just a paycheck. You can learn about your institution. You can get your PMP and you could really learn about kind of the science of project management. But every person that you meet is going to be different. So this is probably the one that's the most variable, which is why Chris and I talk a lot on the podcast about people skills and learning how to work with people. It's such an important thing. But again, just to kind of summarize this from a big picture perspective. So this idea of this thing to swim model and just the leader in general, if you want to think about how to be a strong leader, you can think about the three circles. You can learn about your institution. You can become really good at project management, kind of the science behind it. And then you could really try to work and improve your people skills and putting those three things together can help you to go from that manager to leader, become that leader that you want to be. And again, we're going to later on the show, we'll talk to you about a resource that you can get on Mickey's website to start trying to implement this in your own career. However, before we do that, I want to talk to Mickey on a few other topics while we have him here because he's got a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience from his career. And Mickey, I want to transition into talking a little bit about, you have a couple of books that you've written that can be very helpful. And the first one I want to touch on is The Five B's, which a second edition just came out. It's on, again, Mickey's website. We're going to give you all the links for this. But this is something that you wrote based on mentoring a lot of young adults. Can you talk to us a little bit about the book? Yeah, you bet. So it's by far my most popular talk. It's one I give often. And it's something that I had actually, I did, I came up, originally came up with this for young people. I mean, I gave it to the 18, 19 year olds that were coming in to the Air Force. And what I've been really pleased with is how much this resonates with older people. And so for the second edition, I've, I changed it from the title changed from the five B's for starting out to the five B's, a straightforward guide to life. And it goes something like this. The idea is that people need a target to aim at. They need a, a goal or something to aspire to that boundaries by themselves are simply not enough. And very often, you know, we go through life and all we ever hear are don't do this and don't do that. And, and you got to have some boundaries. I mean, we put guardrails on roads and stoplights and such and such. So you can't live life without boundaries. But the idea is that I have this vision in my head of the kind of person that I want to be. And that's where the five B's came from. So it's be proud of who you are. Everybody has something to contribute. And as a leader, especially, we just talked about circling back to our last conversation, understanding that everybody on your team has something to contribute, even if it's modest, and helping them to do that is the sign of a good leader. There's very few people, in my experience, that had nothing to contribute. They're out there. There's a few. But those people are very rare. And then to be authentically free is the second B. And we think freedom sometimes is to do whatever you want, but it's really not. Being free means that I am not bound by my own appetites 
by my own passions, by whatever I'm choosing to do or not to do, I'm free to choose what's good for me and not prevented by doing that. So I used to tell the, the young guys, you know, beer and Xbox is not a hobby. But you know, honestly, if you're staying up all night long playing video games and you come to work the next morning exhausted, or if you're staying up all, all night surfing the internet or watching TV or whatever, and you're getting two or three or four hours of sleep a night, well, you're no longer free to choose those things that are good for you because you're just too exhausted. The third B is to be virtuous. And virtue sometimes gets a bad rap in modern culture, but I think it's just so important. So I use Aristotle's idea of virtue, the cardinal virtues, and uh, the classical cardinal virtues, and that is prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. When you think about what these things are, you know, prudence, that's just making the right decision. It's everything from good manners to not doing something that's dangerous. Justice is giving people their due. You pay, you do an honest day's work for your employer who pays you. You don't take advantage of other people. You pay people back. Temperance, we do that all the time as athletes. So most of us growing up played Little League ball or football or Pop Warner or soccer or something. We would go pass maybe on the cupcake to go out and do practice or pass on watching television to go do something, you know, if you're a musician to practice your music instead of whatever. So temperance really, you know, it's not just carrying nations, smashing rum bottles in early 20th century. It's actually a, a something that we all practice every day. And then fortitude is just the, the internal strength to face adversity. And when something goes wrong, and I think for, as an adult to have the ability to look adversity in the face, take a big deep breath, kind of let the wave wash over you, and then move on through it onto the next thing is so important, especially for parents or for leaders, because the world's not perfect. Bad things are going to happen. And then, you know, the last two Bs are to be balanced, mind, body, and spirit. You got to feed all facets of your humanity. And the last one's to be courageous, moral and physical courage. And few of us are going to get shot at or have to run into a burning building, but everybody has a chance to show moral courage on a daily basis. You know, the big discussion to, right in popular culture right now is about sexual harassment. And it's so important, especially for men nowadays, to call other people out who are not acting appropriately. They get people get away with things when other people are not morally courageous and let them get away with it. And again, we're going to give you links to this stuff, but everything is on mickeyaddison.com. And what I like about Mickey's writing and his books is that, listen, I'm an engineer. I think everyone listening to this mostly is engineer, technical professional, and Mickey does a good job of really framing these things out in a way that you can digest them. I think that's something that's challenging in the world today. There's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of information out there. But for someone like Mickey with his experience to take the information and try to put it into something that's very practical and something that's useful that you can walk through is why I love talking about some of his content. And I think you're going to like it as well. All right, Mickey, let's transition to your other book, Leading Leaders. And this is a book that Mickey gave me when we had the chance to meet and I went through it. And again, it's also laid out in a way that you can really follow. And in this book, Mickey, you focus on leadership using these different bricks. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So, you know, integrity, respect, teamwork, leaders lead, and little things matter. And so I think of strong foundation or a strong wall. And in my mind, these bricks were a way to, to put things together. You know, if you think about pavers or a strong wall, they're interlocked and they're foundational to the rest of the structure. So integrity, if you don't have integrity, then nothing else matters. People have to be able to count on what you say is what you, know, you mean, what you say, you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Clients count on that, right? Because they look at you and they say, okay, you said you're going to deliver X for this cost. Well, you better do that. You might not even get paid for the job you're working on. So we codify this in the engineering field and many other fields. 
in our codes of ethics. ASCE has got a code of ethics on their website as being part of that. Same thing with, you know, American Society of Professional Engineers. All these professional organizations have codes of ethics. You know, the most famous one, obviously, is the Hippocratic Oath that physicians take, you know, first do no harm. When we try to embody the core values, either that we've written for ourselves, our company, or our profession, it's a way of setting up for ourselves sort of a, you know, to kind of go back to the five Bs. It it gives you an example of the kind of person that you want to be. I'm a Texas Aggie, and so we have an Aggie code of honor. You know, an Aggie will not lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. And we're serious about it. It's not to say that every Aggie is perfect. We turn out thousands of Aggies every year. There's got to be a few slugs in there. But uh, I hope not. But, you know, maybe there are. But the point is that we know what integrity looks like. So respect kind of goes hands in hand in hand with that. And again, going back to the last discussion we were just having about moral courage. As a leader, you have to require respect. And none of you you require everybody to respect each other. And the way you start is by demonstrating respect. And respect comes in two kind of flavors. There's the respect that you earn as a professional, your technical competence and the way you treat people. But at a basic level, every human being deserves to be treated with respect just because they're a human being drawing air, even the people that don't treat you with respect. There's plenty of people, we've all met them, you know, that they're just nasty. And you're never going to know what goes on in somebody's head and why they're that way. But just because somebody treats you poorly does not mean that they don't deserve respect. Teamwork, I think, is another thing that is sort of foundational to leadership. Leaders are always looking for teammates. If I'll tell a quick story, it's a little bit, I'll tell the short version, but I was in a quality awareness class back in the 90s when TQM was all the rage. And and uh, we had to make our project, our class team project, we're competing against other teams. And the project was to make paper airplanes. And we didn't do a very good job. We really kind of took advantage of our supplier. You can't see the air quotes I'm making. And, and we really, you know, kind of took advantage of our client. And uh, both of them said they didn't want to do business with us again. And our supplier kept saying, you know, I've got X number of pages of grade A paper. And we thought he was trying to sell us paper because we just didn't enter into a teamwork, a partnership with him. But what it turned out is that he had grade B, C, and D paper. And grade B paper was already folded in half. And grade C paper was already made into a paper airplane except for the last fold. And grade D paper was already made paper airplane. So if we'd entered into partnership with him instead of trying to negotiate the lowest possible price that he was willing to give us, we could have relieved him of a lot of paper he couldn't have used and we would have won the competition. So you should always be looking for teammates, even in places where you don't expect to find them. So leaders lead is the next one. And if you're given a leadership position, don't kick decisions up to your boss. Exercise that leadership responsibility. Exercise the authority that you've been given. And conversely, if you delegate authority, well, then unless somebody's doing something illegal, immoral, or fattening, you need to let them go through with that and make decisions. And so obviously, you wouldn't let somebody make a mistake that would get somebody hurt or you know lose millions of dollars or break something, whatever. But especially for younger leaders, if you're more seasoned, it's okay that they don't do it like you do. And it's okay if they make a few mistakes along the way. The last thing is little things matter. And I, I wrote an article on LinkedIn one time and somebody accused me tongue in cheek of clickbait. They said, I was about to come on here and tell you that little things don't matter. And then I read your article. What I mean is my favorite comment ever. So what I mean by little things matter is not every little thing matters, but some little things matter. So for example, you know, I had the privilege to command a number of times in the Air Force. And, and every time I took command of an organization and I'd go walk through it, I'd go walk through all the workspaces. I'd try to meet the people where they work and I'd always check out the bulletin board. If the bulletin board had the Equal Opportunity Commission or the union, maybe the IG or the chaplain's picture was faded or it wasn't current or the shop was dirty, 
that told me something about the leadership. And so that really the key, especially the more senior that you become, because it's easy now in this information age to get a lot of information. The hard part that the art is to figure out which data that you need to know that are leading indicators for your organization, either the health of the people, the health of the process and the product. You got to make some decisions based on data. You have a lot of the ability to sense things as a leader, especially as you get pretty experienced, but you better be able to point to some data and be able to make some decisions about based on information that you're, you're getting. And so not every little thing matters, but some little things matter. And the example that I use in the book is the Concorde jetliner. So eight months before the Concorde crashed in uh, off the Paris airport in 2002, killing 113 people, you know, on the airplane and in the ground, 102, I think, or so 108 or so in the, on the airplane. And then a few rest on the ground when it ran, when it flew into a crashed into a hotel there eight months before on another airplane, a piece of the engine strap had been installed incorrectly in Houston. And that airplane, when it took off from the Paris airport, dropped that piece of metal onto the pavement. When the Concorde flew over the top of it, it burst one of the wheels. The hot shrapnel from the wheel burst flew up and, and uh, punctured the fuel tank, which drift, which drained fuel, which caught fire, which initially killed all those people. So it's an extreme case. Obviously, we're not going to be involved in you know multi-million dollar airplane crashes, God forbid. But it's an example of you got to do your job right. You've got to pay attention to the right details. And in that case, how many people checked that engine mounting when it was fixed and how many people checked it during turns while it was you know, on the ground and nobody caught it? And the result of all those failures was that 113 people died. So that's it. That's the leading leader's uh, philosophy. So we've been talking here with Mickey Addison, who's a retired U.S. Air Force colonel. He is now doing leadership consulting, speaking, writing bit of everything around leadership. And we heard about applying this sink to swim model. We gave you that idea of the three circles. We talked a little bit about some of Mickey's books. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a break for a minute and we're going to come back and we're going to close this one out with our take action today segment. And in it, we're going to wrap up the sink to swim model and we're going to let you know where you can get a worksheet that you can use to help you apply it. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. I'm going to have Mickey Addison still with me here for this segment, and he's going to talk about a special resource for you. But before we do that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can provide to engineers is to get your professional license as early as possible. It's a practical way to advance your career, earn more money, and set yourself apart. To learn more about the exams, including invaluable exam tips, check out PPI's resource centers for the FE and PE exams. It's a one-stop hub for all the information you need to register, prepare for, and ultimately pass your exam. Visit ppitopass.com forward slash resources to learn more. Again, that's ppi2pass.com forward slash resources. And if you need exam prep materials, use promo code TECH on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's the promo code TECH. T-E-C-C stands for the Engineering Career Coach. All right, so we're back here with Mickey Addison and talked a lot with Mickey about leadership. And again, at MickeyAddison.com, you can get a lot of resources on leadership, including the books we talked about. But we did start by talking about the Sink to Swim leadership model. 
And I gave you the show note URL, which I'll give you again at the end. But also, I'm just going to give you the direct URL to Mickey's website where you can get this resource we're about to talk about. Is if you go to mickeyaddison.com, M-I-C-K-E-Y, Addison, A-D-D-I-S-O-N.com, forward slash resources, forward slash sync, S-Y-N-C, dash swim. If you go there, you'll see a bunch of resources around the Sync to Swim and some other items, but we're talking now about the Sync to Swim worksheet and how you can use that to apply the model. So go ahead, Mickey. The worksheet's a a way to frame your thoughts about what your own particular situation is. And so understanding, first of all, what is your institution? What is the mission of the institution? And so, you know, you use a couple of lines to write that. What's the task you're working on? What's the project? And then who's on your team? There's space to write that on the front. And on the back, there's the, the three circles, you know, the you know, three interlocking circles of sink to swim institution, project, and people. And it allows you to, to, after you've done some thinking on the front, you know, when you flip it over, then you can start writing down in that circle and start looking for connections. You know, you look for, hey, on my task, I've got, I've got a lot of uh, mechanical design. And on my team is Sue, and she's my best mechanical engineer. Well, okay, well, I need to marry those two things up. And that so it helps you make team assignments. And the same thing with institutions, right? If you're looking at the project and you're looking at the deliverables you've written in the project phase, and then you look across at your list of core competencies and your mission of your institution, and there's no match there, well, that should prompt you to have a discussion with your firm leadership. Because one of two things is happening. You're either opening a new market for the company, or you have badly aligned work with your company's mission. And so both those things deserve a discussion and, and vice versa. You know, if you're able to see that, hey, I'm producing an environmental project, you know, for remediation and you look over your mission of your company is environmental remediation, that is synced up. And so then you got to make sure that those values and policies that you're that are specifically applied to your project you've put in that little circle so it just gives you an opportunity you, know, you can there's different techniques and you know some people use different colored highlighters some people just draw lines and connect the dots i think it's a way to visually take a look at this is the project i'm working on these are the people i work for these are the people who i lead and looking for the ways to make that sweet spot of institution project and people make those three circles overlap as much as you can And I think it will make it easier. I think when you can visualize something, when you have a little bit of a guide and something to go off of, it does make it easier. And really, the one reason I really wanted to talk to Mickey about Sink to Swim on the podcast is because I do think, like we said earlier, leadership, It while it can be very complex and there's tons of books and things out there, it's nice to have this idea of a bigger picture looking at these circles and having a few things to focus on, even though I understand that some of the circles can become intricate and there could be some things going on within them, it's still nice to know that it's something that you could step back, you can look at it, and you can try to focus on a few things to make you a better leader. And that's what I think makes the model powerful. So Mickey, thank you for spending some time with me here today on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. We gave your website, of course, is mickeyaddison.com, but I'm sure people can contact you through there directly if they're interested in more information or speaking and other things like that, correct? Absolutely. Yep. You just go right there and all the contact information is there. Mickey, thanks again so much for spending some time with our listeners. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. I enjoyed the conversation very much. Before we sign off today, remember earlier in the show, I mentioned how we've created a new program called the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which combines intensity, focus, and accountability. Well, it's intense because it's a five-week online program, mostly done outside of working hours. You'll focus if you enroll because you'll be put on a team with other engineers. You'll be given an engineering management problem, and then we'll give you five one-hour skill-building calls on skills like communication, networking, productivity, and leadership. 
and several group coaching calls, and we'll put you in a private forum with your team and a coach, and you'll sprint and you'll find a solution. Then for accountability, you'll present your solution at the end of the program to our coaches and also to your company once you are finished. This is not only accountability, but it's a huge opportunity because the problems that we give you may generate real solutions for your company while helping you become an effective engineering manager and improving your speaking skills. I'm telling you right now, we've just finished our first session and now the teams are giving their presentations back to their companies. Unbelievable transformation that some of these engineers have gone through and the solutions that they're presenting are unbelievable. Their companies are going to be better for this and they're going to be better for this. And that's why I think you should consider enrolling. Please visit engineertomanager.com to enroll for our next session. It starts January 23rd, 2018. Spots are limited and we did sell out our last session in just a few days. And on the website, beneath the main video at engineertomanager.com, you'll see a button that says get reimbursed. We've created some text that you can send to your supervisor with a one-page PDF to help you get reimbursed, and you probably will. 90% of our students have. Again, that's engineertomanager.com. Any questions, you can contact me at anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com and look for episode 164. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.